0: This is Generation Justice. I'm Christina Rodriguez.
1: And I'm Erin Hagler. Generation Justice is a multimedia project that trains youth to create media that inspires social change.
0: Albuquerque is surrounded by beautiful land, and coming up March 25th, the Bernalillo County Commission will make a decision on what to do with a 22 square mile plot on the West Mesa.
1: The Santolina Master Plan is slated to create more than 25,000 jobs by the year 2035. But the expected prosperity of this development is guided by corporate interest.
0: Tonight, we'll be talking more about the Santa Master Plan with Virginia Necochea from the Center for Social Sustainable Systems and Juan Reynosa from the Southwest Organizing Project.
1: We are also highlighting the 22nd annual Cesar Chavez March and Fiesta by speaking with organizers Danny Hernandez and Deanna Martinez Campos.
0: We will be talking about the upcoming celebrations that honor his legacy and Cesar Travis's greater impact on our world today.
1: Speaking of community, we will also be hearing updates on what is happening in the state capitol.
0: It's going to be a great show. But before that, here's our music host, Jordan Unversat, with our first song.
2: Thank you, Christina and Aaron. Well, there is no point in easing into the music tonight, especially when MIA just released the first single of her upcoming album. It's called Can See, Can Do and, in true MIA fashion, is a song that lays a powerful political message on top of an upbeat, dance-induced track to lure the people in. One of the lines, Some people see planes, some people see drones, hits home for our show as we discuss the Santolina Planned Communities Development Project, where some people see expansion and some people see unsustainability.
3: Checking on crack phones, staying up to get it to dawn. Doesn't make a difference if we all become the
4: same pawn. Looking back at history, yeah, all the things that it's shown. Some
3: things are just doomed, and some things are just
0: Aaron, do you enjoy long walks on the West Mesa?
1: Yes. As a west sider, I can appreciate sunsets and the beautiful view of Albuquerque.
0: So what would you say if I told you that the West Mesa could soon be occupied by a community the size of Rio Rancho?
1: I would say, doesn't Rio Rancho already exist?
0: Yeah, but it would be like a brand new Rio Rancho. The proposed Santolino Master Plan that the Bernalillo County Commission is facing right now might change Albuquerque's environmental and economic future.
1: To help us understand the epic toll this could take on the city we all love, we have Virginia Necochea and Juan Reynosa, who fight to preserve our resources. My co-host Christina had the opportunity to speak with them. Let's listen in.
0: I'm Christina Rodriguez from Generation Justice, and today we're talking about the upcoming Santa Elena Development Project. I'm with Virginia Necochea, Executive Director of the Center for Social Sustainable Systems, and Juan Reynosa, the Environmental Justice Organizer at SWAP. Welcome to Generation Justice, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. To start off, can each of you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
3: Well, I'm Virginia Necochea, and I'm currently the director of Center for Social Sustainable Systems, and our acronym is CESOS, and CESOS, for those of you who do not speak Spanish, means brains, literally, in Spanish. And we are a small research and learning center based out of the South Valley, Um, and most of our work involves doing research and mobilizing and empowering our communities.
5: And uh, Juan Reynosa, I'm with the Southwest Organizing Project, 35-year-old social justice organization based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. I work on environmental justice issues throughout the state. Growing up in an oil and gas town in southern New Mexico motivated me to take on a lot of the issues that I saw growing up, and so happy to be able to be doing this work up here in Albuquerque with SWAP.
0: We're thankful to have you here with us today. So to start off, give us some more background about what the Santa Elena Development Project is.
5: So the Santa Elena Development is this huge proposed development that they want to build up on Albuquerque's west side on the West Mesa. It's in the area of the former uh, school Land Grant. Uh, People who know some of the history of it would would remember that SunCal was the first time that they tried to build this development Sun Cal was in the same location that Santolina is trying to build out, and essentially, it's just a huge development—tons of houses, thirty-eight thousand houses, commercial and industrial buildings, similar to what Mesa del Sol tried to do but hasn't been able to uh, accomplish yet. And so, um, essentially, a lot of people are terming it as building a whole other city.
3: And I think what Juan just said is very important for people to realize is that Santolina is nothing new. They're trying to sell us um, an old development that had already flopped um, with a new name, which is again, you know, Santolina Master Plan. And another thing to point out is that they're estimating about 95,000 people at build out that would live at the, you know, Santolina. And that's comparable to the population of Rio Rancho back in 2010. So that, that gives people an idea of the size of Santolina. So if we're building
0: the equivalent of like a brand new city, what kind of impact would that have on Bernalillo County?
3: That would have a tremendous impact not only on our county, but our city and beyond. And so many of the things that we've been raising with the Santolina Master Plan, um, one of our main concerns being there in the South Valley has to do with water. and. Unfortunately, the discussion about water, it's actually shifted away because in one of the prior hearings for Santolina, the Albuquerque Bernalillo County Water Utility Authority produced a letter of water availability, basically guaranteeing water for Santolina Master Plan. And once they had this letter, they produced the letter, um, people have just put it in their minds that, okay, well, there's water. But if we look at recent headlines If we look at scientific reports, if we look at the current state of the San Juan Chama Diversion Project, it paints a different story, right? We are actually in a really severe drought that has been recorded as one of the worst in the last thousand years. And so that gives you an idea of the, you know, how severe this is. The reason why we're so concerned about the water is we haven't put out the number, right? And it, at build out for Santolina Master Plan, it would use approximately 20 million gallons of water per day. Okay, that's per day. So that's why, you know, a number like that, we're not talking about, you know, a 100 unit development, we're talking about a massive development that is going to require a large, a very large amount of water. And even this last week, we had another story about the Chile crop, right? And those of us here in New Mexico, we appreciate our Chile. And Mm -hmm. they had, I think, a 10% drop in their crop production. And the farmers are saying that it's because of the drought. And so that's one of the things the community has brought up, especially those of us who work with acequeros and farmers is, well, where is this water going to come from?
5: We've talked to a lot of farmers who are very concerned about this, and you know, coming from a region where farming and the use of a goes back generations, this should be of great concern to everyone because that's not only our livelihood but our culture and our history that people are trying to impact. So, you know, when you, it has even farther region reaches of impact past just the land, and that is a big concern, um, but also. As with SunCal, people are also concerned about how much money this would cost. They keep making claims at the hearings for this master plan that there would be no net impact on uh, the county or the city for having to pay for this. Supposedly, they say the developer would pay for all of this, but yet with us doing research, we found that. Just for them to build their schools, their schools at the uh, development roads and other infrastructure would cost over a billion dollars.
0: So I'm just really curious, like who has been in support of this development and what do they have to say about the master plan?
5: It's interesting to see the people in the hearings that support this. Uh, Many of them don't even live in Albuquerque. We've seen people talk about, oh, I just came here from Arizona to, you know, talk in support of this, you know, so a lot of the people who we've seen at these hearings aren't even from here or won't be impacted, but, um, you know, Western Albuquerque land holdings are the people who are uh, putting out this master plan for Santolina. And, you know, so they've been up there talking about how this is going to be so great and how it's going to produce all these jobs. But the same thing happened when they put out Mesa del Sol and, If you look at Mesa del Sol right now, it's not even half built. Um, Tons of millions of dollars of tax dollars went to help build that development out. Some homes are still incomplete there. And so, you know, just to look at an example of how this has already failed, you only have to look at Mesa del Sol. And I would say, you know, some of the other folks who have signed on to this, uh, CNM unfortunately has signed on as a partner in this, as well as APS. And then you'll also see, you know, your your usual like business lobby groups like NAOP there. Really, when you go into those hearings, it's a pretty stark difference in who you see there in support and in mm-hmm. uh, opposition. Usually the folks who are in support are in suits, uh, you know, and they obviously are getting paid to go there and lobby for this big development that they're already getting paid to push for. You look on the other side of the room, it's just farmers, community members, Youth. We've had a lot of youth speak out at these hearings and talking about why they think it would impact them. And, you know, it's unfortunate that this happens a lot, you know, especially doing the work that I do around environmental justice. But there's usually that stark difference of proponents and um, opponents of these types of uh, issues. And it really comes down to the community having to speak out on their own behalf to uh, defend their land and water. Because, you know, with this project, there's a lot of outside interest that essentially are just coming in to make money off of this.
0: I think what both of you had to say is just so important, and it's so special to me as a young person who lives here in New Mexico and wants to preserve Albuquerque, and all of New Mexico, it just, it means a lot to me, and is there any way that young people here in New Mexico can get involved, or do you have a message for them?
5: Young people are concerned about the future, obviously they're, they're the ones who are going to have to be dealing with this more and more, so they don't want to be having to deal with the impacts of Santa lena 20, 30 years from now. Um, and so it's awesome to see young people getting involved now to speak out for their future and talk about what they think, um, is acceptable for growth in Albuquerque. And, you know, people should not, uh, you know, take young people's minds for granted. They're very smart, intelligent people. And they understand a lot of these issues a lot faster than most people would think. And, uh, it's just great to hear their perspective on it.
3: You know, it's the young people's voices that are most powerful in all, the, all of these processes that, that happen. And just to see them engaged and out there and speaking up for, you know, their, their community and their families and, you know, it, it's very important.
0: I saw that there was a community forum about the Santolina Master Plan on March 19th and a rally on the 25th. Do you mind giving us some more information about that?
5: Yeah, well, I'll talk about the forum. So if you want to come learn more about what this development is all about, the impacts, how you can get involved, the forum is a great place to go and uh, speak with a lot of people who've been working on this. So that is going to be on March 19th at the South Valley Multipurpose Center, and it'll start at 6 p.m. We're actually going to have some really delicious food. So that's always a good added bonus.
3: So on March 25th, um, we actually have a few things planned. And starting at 12 p.m. at SWAP, SWAP offices, we will have a teach-in. And then we will have a press conference at 1230. And immediately after the press conference, we are going to march to the Bernalillo County Commission hearing at One Civic Plaza. And so we really encourage people to come out and support And this is a people's march. You know, we're united to defend our water. That's why, you know, we want different organizations and allies and concerned community members and youth to be out there with us because this is, you know, our way of saying, you know, we will protect our land. We will protect our water. We will protect our communities and all those, you know, traditions that are such an important part of New Mexico and that I think that's what's pushing many of us is that we care about those traditions we care about the people that it's going to most impact and as always who are the communities that are going to be most impacted it's poor communities they're communities of color and so that's why we're there and we just encourage you to come out on March 25th noon you know lunchtime you know it'd be great to have people at the hearing to testify again that starts at 1:30 and that's really coming up. But if, you know, just help us spread the word and and get out there. Is there anything else that either of you would like to add?
5: I would just say that, you know, this is just, you know, part of the cycle of people in the Southwest resisting big corporations, big money interests, and trying to defend their rights to land and water. I mean, this goes even further back with the indigenous population here and defending their land. And so, you know, I feel good about keeping up that fight against people who really just want to come in and take advantage of our communities. And we have strong communities here, and we've helped resist and stand up to these types of things before, and that's why we're continuing to do it now. Um, And it's because we're concerned about our future and our communities, and that's really what's important.
3: And I think, you know, um, Professor Paul Lusk, you know his his um, editorial in the Albuquerque Journal put it best. This is this development is based more on greed than on need. And the last thing I I will say is someone who is, you know, um, works with sequeros and the farmers and you know their our family cares about them very much is that they've taught us one thing: el agua no se vende, el agua se defiende.
0: I just wanna thank both of you for sharing this information with us and for coming and taking the time to do so. And it just, it really means a lot to me, the work that you do, and I think it's really inspiring and it's powerful to protect what we have here in New Mexico, whether it's our land or our water or our culture, or just our lifestyles here. So thank you again for that.
5: Yeah, thank you for the opportunity.
1: Thank you, Virginia and Juan, for mentioning the importance of young people speaking out and how much of a difference can be made through this. I wonder why all these millions of dollars can't be spent reinvigorating all of the beautiful and historic buildings that already exist here in Albuquerque.
0: Exactly. As a young person, I was really excited to meet Verhinia Inwan and happy to talk with them about these critical issues that New Mexico is facing around sustainability. And, I mean... You can. there's still time to call your local county commissioners and tell them how you feel about the Santolino Master Plan. And also tomorrow at 7 p.m. on KUNM, Espejos de Aslan will be discussing the Santolino Master Plan as well. Now, back to our music host, Jordan Enverzat, with the next song.
2: All right, now we have a song called Por Las Acequias by Mariel Chamaglio, a musician from Santa Fe, Argentina. In this song, she sings about the beauty and importance of irrigation.
6: Cuando la vendimia se vuelve fiesta y por los lagares la tierra sueña, entre los cogollos amanecidos nace esta.
1: Generation Justice is dedicated to keeping an eye on our state legislature. And now we will be sharing more updates with you about what bills will soon impact our futures.
0: Here's GJ Fellow Chantel Trujillo with the rundown of our 2015 legislative session in New Mexico.
4: As you may know, the 2015 legislative session will be coming to a close next week. Here are some updates that we have been keeping an eye on. On Saturday, Senator Phil Griego resigned from the New Mexico Senate. According to Steve Terrell at the Santa Fe, New Mexican, Griego wrote that he resigned over allegations that in 2014, he unintentionally and unknowingly violated a provision of the New Mexico Constitution. He continued to say that the violation is now being used as a political weapon in potential threats against him and his Democratic colleagues. Governor Martinez called for county commissioners to replace the senator within 24 hours, which would violate the 72-hour public notice requirement in the state's Open Meetings Act, according to Progress Now New Mexico. Now, regarding some bills that we've been following, abortion is once again in the spotlight. Representative Yvette Harrell has introduced a bill that is almost identical to the one that got defeated in 2013, House Bill 390. This bill would outlaw abortions later in pregnancy. Furthermore, the bill would allow pharmacists and other medical staff to refuse medication to women based on moral or personal grounds. While the morning-after pill is the target of such a clause, the legal language could be used to deny birth control, such as pills or IUDs. The bill passed the House with a vote of 42 to 26. Again, from Progress Now New Mexico, marijuana legislation has been at the forefront. Representative Deborah Armstrong introduced Medical Cannabis Research, House Bill 466, which passed through the House Regulatory and Public Affairs vote with a vote of 4 to 2. The bill will create a research fund administered by the Department of Health to study the uses of medical marijuana. It is now awaiting a date to be heard by the House Health Committee. Also, Senator Cisco McSorley proposed Industrial Hemp Senate Bill 94, which passed through finance with a vote of eight to one. The bill received a vote on the Senate floor, which passed 33 to eight. After passing the agriculture, water, and wildfire committee with a vote of 10 to zero, the bill is now heading to the judiciary committee. Another bill that we've been following protects differently abled students in public schools. Students with disabilities account for 76% of all restraint and out of school suspensions in New Mexico even though these students make up just 14% of the overall student body. Senate Bill 283 will set limits on using restraint and seclusion, like in-school suspension in schools. This bill proposed to keep students and teachers safe from injury or harm, enforce a policy where parents are informed when students are restrained or secluded, and impose the same limitations in mental health facilities for kids. The bill passed the Senate Judiciary Committee and is heading to the Senate floor. Stay tuned for more updates. Now
2: back to our hosts.
1: Thanks, Chantel. We will be hearing some more updates later in the show. But now, back to the music. Here's Jordan with another track.
2: Sixto Rodriguez is an American singer-songwriter who grew up in Detroit, Michigan. He recently became famous for, well, not being famous. Personal politics have always been more important to him than commercial success. And until the 2012 release of Searching for Sugar Man, a documentary about his huge fame in South Africa, Rodriguez wasn't much of a household name in the U.S. Luckily, this sort of Rodriguez renaissance has opened up many more ears, hearts, and minds to his music. Here's Sixto Rodriguez with the Establishment Blues.
4: Mayor hides the crime rates, councilwoman
0: hesitates, public gets irate, but forgets to vote dates. Weatherman complaining, predicted sun it's raining. Everyone's protesting, boyfriend keeps suggesting, you're not like all of them. As a labor organizer and leader, Cesar Chavez led marches, called for boycotts, and went on several hunger strikes, creating a legacy that inspired others such as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Robert F. Kennedy, and Pope Paul VI.
1: Our guests tonight are here to speak about the upcoming celebrations in honor of Cesar Chavez and how the struggle for civil rights lives on today.
0: Here's GJ Fellow Chantel Trujillo with Danny Hernandez and Diana Martinez-Campos.
4: This is Chantal Trujillo and I'm here with two members of the Recuerda a Cesar Chavez committee, Danny Hernandez and Diana Martinez-Campos. Danny is a former KUNM reporter and he is the lead organizer for the Marcha y Fiesta. Diana is pursuing a master's degree in education and she works as an academic advisor for the college assistance migrant program. I'd like to welcome you both to Generation Justice. Thank yes, you. yes.
6: Um, so to start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? My name is Diana martinez Campos, like you said, and the College Assistance Migrant Program is a program federally funded um, here at UNM and other universities in the country, and we recruit students uh, to come to college in their first year, um, students who have a background in farm work or agricultural work. That's why, um, you know, we're very involved or very, we try to push our students to be involved with farm worker awareness and all that good stuff, Cesar Chavez, uh, because that's our dream, to really push um, these students who sometimes don't have an opportunity to come to college to bring them, and we support them through their first year. Um, So that's what I do. Uh,
7: My name is Danny Hernandez, and I am with the Recuerda Cesar Chavez Committee. We have as many as almost 50 people who are involved in organizing these events. The uh, Record Cesar Chavez Committee started after Cesar Chavez passed away in 1993 to create a Cesar Chavez Day in New Mexico, to get a street named after Cesar Chavez, which, you know, stadium has become Cesar Chavez Boulevard, and to uh, promote farm worker awareness and labor rights and civil rights. I got involved with the Recuerda Cesar Chavez Committee back in 90, 91. So I've been there 14, 15 years as a volunteer. And, and this year I got hired to help organize the events.
4: So why is Cesar Chavez important to both of you? Um, what's his legacy in your life?
7: To me, Cesar Chavez is a civil rights leader for my people, mi gente. I was in California in 1968, 69, uh, when the the big great boycott took place. I remember, I was a little kid, but I remember the, the great boycott. And then when I uh, found out about the Recuerdas de the Chavez committee, I decided that I wanted to get involved.
6: I have a personal connection to the field. My grandparents, they started working in the fields in California since they were 16. And then my parents went, and then I went. And, you know, even though I was fortunate enough to not have to do that work for a long time, experiencing farm work is just, it's, it's tough. Right. And um, I think that sometimes we think about these civil rights um, leaders as people who move masses, and they definitely did. Cesar Chavez, you know, he was a, a people person, right? And he was able to move people and organize people. And I think that that's, important it's important to build that community with people and try to be the one who steps up, right? And so for me, I think um, Cesar Chavez is important because of that, because he kind of demonstrated through his actions that you can make things without violence and make statements, organizing people, getting together with people, motivating people, but also leading by example. You know, he wasn't a rich person. Um, He was in the fields working with people He was the one who stepped up.
7: Everything he did was peaceful. One of the things he did was he fasted. I'm going to fast until you all do what you know is right. Right. And it worked.
4: Right. So how does the civil rights struggle that Cesar Chavez fought
6: still exist today? specifically tied to farm work, you know, farm workers are still not protected under the law equally like other people. They don't get vacations. They don't get um, sometimes worker comps, right? They don't get uh, paid sick leave. Um, a lot of our farm workers are seasonal. And, you know, that's that's an issue. Like, people have to survive on this low wages, low salaries, and despite all the legal issues or on top of the legal issues, I feel it's more like a personal a dignity thing. It's right. we want to recognize our work and we need to do that. Thank you.
7: And farm workers, many of them are, are immigrants, many of them are undocumented immigrants. And there's a, a big conversation, national conversation over undocumented immigrants. Of course they use another term that I, I find very racist. And um, I immigrate to this country. I know that the immigration laws and rules were very different back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and even into the 70s, and they changed. And the the farm worker program uh, that that used to exist doesn't really work anymore because they don't allow for enough people to come across the border to do the job and then go back. And so what? they have no other option than to come and stay because getting across costs the money and costs people's lives. So the, I, I think that the uh, the immigration um, movement is is part of, of mm-hmm. Cesar Chavez's legacy. And right now, uh, in, in terms of, of labor, there's a, a war being waged on labor. Right. I mean, you, you've seen the, the right-to-work law that was passed in Minnesota, and there were four such bills in our legislature um, the, the final two were killed in a Senate subcommittee, but, um, but it's still a constant struggle. And, and we all know that whenever uh, labor is uh, belittled, is, is un, isn't powerful, we start losing rights as workers. So labor is very important, and it's, it's an ongoing struggle
4: you know, all of these issues are the reason why this celebration is so important. So let's talk a little bit about the celebration itself. Um, What kinds of events can we expect during the week leading up
6: to the Marcha y Fiesta? Right, so here at UNM, uh, Camp, the College Assistance Migrant Program. Uh, their graduate assistant, Sarah Romero, she's leading this this event, and it's a series of events that starts uh, on Tuesday, March twenty fourth, up to Thursday, March twenty sixth. And we're gonna have, for example, on Tuesday, we're gonna have the first day, uh, starting with the history of um, Cesar Chavez and then the struggles of farm workers in the Southwest. On Wednesday, we are going to have Dia de la Mujer Campesina, so talking about agriculture and how it affects women. And then on Thursday, um, we are going to have also speakers, and we're going to talk about student farm workers. And then we're having a Cesar Chavez blood drive. So again, this is a national competition with a lot of camp programs. And then on the Friday... Bernalillo County Open Space and La Placita Institute, they've put together the uh, Cesar Chavez Day of Service. So in Sanchez Farms here in the South Valley in Albuquerque, there is this open space. So there's going to be about 300 kids coming in Mm -hmm. and then uh, they're going to do work, do work in the farm so that these kids are exposed to why is agriculture important, why is taking care of our land important. So it's a really, really cool event uh, to happen. And that's going to be leading, you know, to the, to the Cesar Chavez marcha, you know, here in Albuquerque.
7: Okay, so on uh, Saturday morning, uh, March 28th, uh, at 10.30 in the morning, we kick off with a, a marcha. I can't tell you how many people are going to be there, but I can tell you that there's going to be three flatbeds with uh, bands on them and we do a, a two-mile walk around Baredas. And when we get back, um, we will be welcomed by a, a fiesta. And at the fiesta, there's going to be music and poetry, uh, a couple of very short speeches, including our keynote speaker. His name is Jose Angel Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. He is one of the four Chicano horsemen. Um, our fiesta is a lot of fun. There's a kid's corner for, uh, for young children. To, to, uh, they're going to have a piñata And I think they're going to do sidewalk painting and, and all kinds of arts and crafts While mom and dad dance uh, To uh, Keith Sanchez and the Moon Thieves Or Nosotros Our KUNM has been very, very gracious And we're going to be broadcasting live Streamed uh, from uh, noon to 2 o'clock And then at 2 o'clock The Raices program kicks in And we're going to be live on the radio as well So that's pretty cool, too. Um, The other thing that's going to be happening during the fiesta is uh, all the local nonprofits have been invited to come and and table out there. So uh, if you're interested in getting involved in in any movement or movimiento, uh, just come on out.
6: Yeah, you know, same thing. I, I think you, you mentioned something really important, you know, that, again, this is a collaborative effort, and I think it's really important to emphasize that uh, it's not just, like, this is our Chavez Comité and UNM, and they're, like, really joining forces to Push people to get involved, to do things beyond this one-time event. Again, you know, here at UNM and Worker Awareness Week, some of the student organizations, so the Mexican Student Association, Camperino Student Organization, the nonprofits, Los Jardines Institute, La Placita Institute, El Centro de la Raza. So it's a it's a lot of uh, effort, collaborative effort to really try to bring this together, and we really want to invite the community, you know, students, but parents, children, everyone to come out and really just learn Is it family- something.
7: Friendly- event, folks?
6: Yeah. Right. So come out, you know, learn, get involved, um, support farm workers and learn about Cesar Chavez and really make that connection and why it's, it's important. Um, why is it important for young people specifically to get involved in these events? It's important because this is a real issue. And because we, you know, young people are going to be the leaders mm-hmm coming up. And if we don't start from the ground up, then we'll never get that equality. We'll never get that equity, you know, I should say. Um, It's important because this is something that is relevant to everyone's life. Like I said at the beginning, farm workers' issues are not just an issue about, you know, of farm workers. Like, yes, they, you know, of course they need to stand up, but they need people to help them stand up. And so young people are the the medium to that, you know, especially college students, I would say, um, high school students, you know, they have the ability to educate others and to really motivate others to to care and it's
7: not just about farm workers Mm -hmm. there's a lot of of social issues involved civil rights issues labor issues Mm -hmm. i mean if you're a person of color you know that you're more likely to get stopped by the police you're more likely to go to jail even if you didn't do anything and that's all about civil rights and if they don't get involved who will Mm -hmm. and so uh it's important because of that
4: so regarding the, the week prior to the Marcha y Fiesta and the actual March and Fiesta, where can people get more information?
6: All right. Well, we definitely we have a Facebook page for Farmworker Awareness Week. So you can just type that up, Farmworker Awareness Week, UNM, so University of New Mexico. And then out in the community, right, isn't the committee going to try to do some publicity?
7: Yeah. We also have our, our standing, uh, Recuerda Arcedo Chavez committee um Facebook page. There's also a Facebook event page for the Recuerdas de Chavez Marcha y Fiesta. And there's also a potluck reception for Jose Angel Gutierrez Facebook event page. When he comes into town, we're going to have a little potluck. You know, we're Mexicanos. That, that's how we do it. That's how we roll. Exactly. And Right? Yes. I mean, that's how the good food <laughs> yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and that's going to be Friday night. So after the um, the day of service, we're going to have at the National Hispanic Cultural Center a reception for uh, Jose Angel Gutierrez where he will speak and and um, we'll get to hear the history of La Raza Unida.
6: Thank you. And is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, I think just an invitation for everyone to come join us to Farmworker Awareness Week and to the Marcha on Saturday. It's going to be a really fun event. You know, we promise we're trying to make it educational, but, you know, no education happens without fun, right? So Everybody's
7: got an ear-to-ear grin the whole time they're there because there's just music, people running around doing crazy stuff, um, and and you'll meet a lot of your friends.
6: Come out, Farmworker Awareness Week. Um, Let's meet up and then, you know, learn. Thank you. Well, I just want to thank both of you for speaking with me today and also for
4: the work that you do. Um, I come from a small farm town south of Albuquerque in Tomé, and so the land and farm work means a lot to me. Um, So thank you. We hope to see you there. (laughs) Thank you so much. Gracias.
1: Thank you, you, Dayana and Danny, for speaking with us and inspiring me with how your personal experiences led you to make changes and help young people overcome personal obstacles not only to make their futures brighter, but those of their peers as well.
0: I really appreciated that too, the emphasis that this is a struggle that is shared by all of us in our overall movement for equity and towards truly embracing our cultures and our histories.
1: And now, I'm throwing it back to our stellar music host, Jordan Unverzat.
2: This upcoming song recounts the farmworker's pilgrimage from Delano to Sacramento, California, in March 1966. It is sung to the traditional Mexican tune, Carabina 3030. Here's Los Perros del Pueblo Nuevo with Corrido de Cesar Chavez.
0: It's time to hear more about the bills that are being discussed in our state legislature.
1: Back to GJ Fellow, Chantel Trujillo with more.
4: The controversial right-to-work bill got its first win, according to the Rio Rancho Observer. It passed the House of Representatives with a 37 to 30 vote and is now moving to the Senate committee. Right to work is a bill that would allow non-union employees in the public or private sector to not pay, pay union fees. Progress Now New Mexico says that the bill would weaken unions and would lead to a decrease in worker security. New Mexico Politics with Joe Monaghan said that the bill suffered a huge blow when Republican senators failed to bypass the committee system and take the bill straight to the Senate floor for vote. According to Progress Now New Mexico, the economic security amendment would cap predatory loans at 36%. New Mexico is currently home of -of out-of-state predatory loan companies that are charging 200 to 2,000 percent interest on loans. The amendment passed the House of Representatives with a vote of 38 to 25. It's currently in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Last, but certainly not least, the New Mexico Lottery Scholarship is in jeopardy of losing millions of dollars a year. Sponsored by Senator John Arthur Smith, according to Think New Mexico, Senate Bill 355 would eliminate the requirement that 30% of lottery revenues must go to the scholarship fund. Since the legislature enacted the 30% uh, requirement in 2007, it has resulted in an additional $9 million a year going to student scholarships. If the 30% is eliminated, however, students would bear all of the risk. The bill passed the Senate with a vote of 25 to 16. Tomorrow, the bill will go to the House Regulatory and Public Affairs Committee at the Roundhouse in Santa Fe, It will take place in room 315 at 1.30 p.m. Think New Mexico invites all to attend as there will be an opportunity for students to tell legislators about their concerns regarding the bill. There's a lot more happening at the legislature, so make sure to check Think New Mexico, The Santa Fe New Mexican, Progress Now New Mexico, and New Mexico Politics with Joe Monaghan. This is Chantal Trujillo signing out. Thank you so much, Chantel, for
0: all of those updates. Now, back to the music. Here's Jordan with some more tunes.
2: Finding a song that mentions Islamophobia is almost unheard of, let alone one that describes how life has to be navigated for the son of Indian immigrants in post-911 Queens, New York. Off of his latest album, Eat, Pray, Thug, Heems lets the beat fade into a monologue about his experiences with anti-Muslim racism and harassment in his track, Patriot Act. Police in the people, Babylon. Police in the
1: people, police in the people, Babylon.
3: Police in the people.
1: Yeah. Product of partition, dripped in, product for the
7: stitching, proud of superstitions. Got powder in the
1: kitchen. We have reached the end of tonight's program. Thank you all for joining us this evening as we learned about the Santolina Master Plan, honored Cesar Chavez, and heard updates from the Roundhouse.
0: I want to thank Virginia Necochea, Juan Reynosa, Diana Martinez-Campos, and Danny Hernandez for joining us in the studio this week.
1: Thank you to this week's editors, Kamaria Umi and my co-host, Christina Rodriguez.
0: Shout out to our Legislative Update host, Chantel Trujillo, and to our fab DJ tonight, Jordan Unverzat.
1: George Luna Pena, Melissa Harris, and Roberta Rael all worked on the production of this program. Also, engineering in studio tonight is Danny Kestner.
0: And last, but certainly not least, much appreciation to all of our youth media makers here at Generation Justice. We couldn't do what we do without you.
1: Before we end tonight's show, we still have one last announcement. New Mexico Public Allies are accepting applications to their 10-month leadership development program. The program starts in the fall, and applications are being accepted at publicallies.org.
0: Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Also, our podcasts are now available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe.
1: We're also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation. And, of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. I'm your host, Christina Rodriguez.
1: And I'm your other host, Aaron Hagler. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Words, so stay tuned, and we'll see you next Sunday at 7 o'clock.
2: Here's Jordan with our last song. It's not Sunday if we don't spend it with the Lord. So here's Yellow Flicker Beat from the 18-year-old New Zealand electronic pop rock goddess, Lord!
1: I'm a princess cut from marble, smoother than a storm And the scars that mark my body, they're silver and gold My blood is a flood, the ruby's precious
3: stones, it keeps my veins all-